All right, testing one, two, three. All right, success. All right, well, we do serve a great God, and we're thankful for all that he gives us. Thankful for the body of Christ as well. You guys appreciate our church family? You guys appreciate our church family? (laughs) All right. I know that I do. And I really do appreciate, uh, I love that uh, North Park has for the next generation. And uh, some of you know I was able to serve with the students here for about 10 years and uh, 20 years before that at another church. So I always had a heart for the next generation, especially for teenagers. But I appreciate the emphasis that our church has in helping to get our faith to the next generation. As we think about uh, students and uh, think about our graduates a uh, couple of different things that uh, we want to talk about. But really, our church's mission uh, statement is that we want to be disciples who make disciples for the glory of God. And that mission filters down through all of our different ministries. And so when we think about students, we want to lead students to be disciples who make disciples for the glory of God. Um, so we think about uh, the graduates. There's four of them uh, this year. Uh, we're going to talk to them a little bit, and we're going to use our series that we started last week uh, from the book of Proverbs to help us with that. But um, if we listen in, I'm sure we will find some things there that we can benefit from as well, even though we're not graduating from high school. But uh, think about the book of Proverbs. And uh, if you want to turn in your Bible to the book of Proverbs, um, you can find it here. Uh, again, the Bible is a library of books. And uh, Proverbs is one of those wisdom books or poetry books, and you can find it right there after Psalms and before Ecclesiastes, about the middle of your Bible. Um, Last week, we started a series called The Anatomy of Wisdom, and we talked about how wisdom is applied knowledge. And the goal of the book of Proverbs, or the goal for our series, and certainly the goal that we've had for you graduates, is that you would develop the skills necessary to live well in God's world. And we want to look at um, the feet today. So if all of you guys would take your shoes off. No, just kidding. But uh, as we looked uh, as elders and we planned out this series, we looked through the book of Proverbs and we noticed that there are a lot of different statements about different parts of the anatomy. And so today we're going to look at the feet. Uh, next week we're going to look at the head. And then we've got ears and eyes, the mouth, different parts of the body that are connected to wisdom. And so today we want to talk about feet. And really talk about where we walk or graduates about choosing the right path. So if you want to turn in your Bibles or in your device, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. And there, the author of the Proverbs says, Mark out a straight path for your, say it out loud with me, with feet and stay on the safe path. So he's saying there, hey, mark out where you're going to walk. And make sure you stay on the safe path because not all the paths are safe. Not every way that you're going to live your life, not every choice that you're going to make is a safe one. So you have to be intentional about that. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. And you and I know this to be true, right? Those of us who are older and once sat where the graduates are today, we know that our life has not been determined by what we wished it to be, what we wanted it to be. Our life is a result of our choices that we have made. There's two paths, two different ways you can live your life. And the author of the proverb is saying, be intentional. Choose 
your path. Choose the safe path. Think about where your feet are going, where you're walking. Because when you get sidetracked, it's possible that you end up following evil, that you end up going the wrong way. So as I was thinking about these two paths, I was just thinking about my own life, and I have a hard time with directions. Anybody else have a hard time with directions in here? Those who work with me in student ministry or have been with me, uh, my fiance Brenda is learning this the hard way as we travel different places. I just have a hard time going to the right place. And I know we've got that little thing on our phone now, the map, and we've got this beautiful lady's voice that can talk to us. But I just turn that off. I don't really, I get distracted. But then I get distracted and miss my turns. So it's kind of a conundrum for me. But I find myself a lot of times trying to decide Wait, is that where I'm supposed to turn? Oh, which way do I go? And almost every time I wait too long, I miss the turn, and then I have to turn around and try to figure out again, okay, now where do I turn? Life is full of decisions like that. There's two different paths. One is a safe path. One is an evil path. So it's important, graduates, that you choose the path that will lead you to the right place and that will be safe. So I want to think about another verse in Proverbs Proverbs chapter 29 says this, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but to trust in God means safety. And so often with these Proverbs, and last week we talked about that what we mostly think about with the book of Proverbs is these short, memorable, memorizable, easy to memorize verses. That are meant to stay with you. And a lot of times there's a contrast, right? So the first verses that we looked at, there's two different paths. So make sure your feet are on the safe path. Here, it lets you know that that path that follows evil, it's a dangerous trap. And that path is when you fear people. Not when you're afraid of bodily harm, but when you're so worried about other people's opinions, when you fear rejection, that can be a wrong path, a wrong place for your feet. But the opposite path is to trust in God, which means safety. So for just a few minutes, I'd like to talk about choosing the right path, which is not fearing rejection of people more than we trust God. As I was thinking about this, it says fearing people is a dangerous trap. When we're watching a television show or a movie and somebody gets asked to meet somebody somewhere, a lot of times the people around are like, I don't know, should we go? Or is it a trap? Is it a dangerous trap? Is this a situation that looks good and looks like something you should do, but in the end it's really a trap? It's something that's going to be dangerous or harmful. When we look at animal traps that we use, why would a fish bite a metal hook that's going to rip through their mouth and cause them to be caught? Well, it's because we've spent a lot of time figuring out what they like to eat. So it can be just a worm lures millions of dollars is spent trying to figure out how do we make that lure look like live fish food. So that's why they go after it, because it's enticing. It looks like one thing, but it's another. This verse is telling us that there is a path. There's a place you can walk. There's a way you can live your life. But you got to be careful because it is a dangerous trap. It affects every relationship, every marriage. It affects your parenting, your work. This can affect what you do for God. And so I thought about that for a little bit. Why is fearing people such a dangerous trap? 
And I've uh, got a couple here. I'll just go through them quickly. Number one, it causes us to give in to peer pressure. When we're so afraid what people think, it causes us to give in to things that we wouldn't normally do. Sometimes it's things that go against our values or our beliefs. They're not things we really want to do, but we do because we're afraid of people. I saw a quote one time from a lady who was 102 years old, and they asked her, what's the best thing about being 102? And she said, there's no peer pressure. (laughs) What a great life. But for most of us, we worry about what other people think, and it becomes a trap because we give in to peer pressure. Secondly, it causes us to conform our lifestyles and our values. Even if the group that we're trying to fit into wants us to go against what we believe or what we've been taught, a lot of times we give in because we're so worried about what they think. Now, I grew up in a a small, more rural town, and one of the things that seemed like everybody I knew did was chew tobacco or uh, put snuff there in their lip, right? I didn't really want to chew tobacco, but everybody seemed to do it. I see the commercials. So one day, my cousin and I were like uh, juniors in high school. We had this summer job where we were cutting grass at this uh, trailer park. And it must have been August because we were starting two-a-day practices for football. So we did our morning practice, and then we are supposed to go cut grass. And my cousin and I are like, let's get some of that chewing tobacco, and we'll try it while we're mowing grass. Nobody will know. And then we'll uh, come back and go to practice. Well, if you guys know anything about chewing tobacco, that juice that they keep in their mouth and they spit out all the time, man, if you swallow any of that, that's bad news. So we just had some, we didn't know what we were doing. We just put the tobacco in there. We're kind of mowing, doing all that stuff. But little by little, juice was going down into our stomachs. So we finished, and all I remember is getting home and throwing up. And then I was just dry heaving because there was nothing left. But I had to hide it from my dad. I didn't want to get in trouble. And I was able to go take a short nap and make it to football practice. But but the only reason I did that and had to go through all of that was just because it looked cool. And a lot of people I knew were doing that. And that's what happens sometimes. Sometimes fear of people can cause us to conform our lifestyles and their values. The third thing is it enslaves us to whoever we're trying to please. Those people kind of become our masters because whatever they think, that's what it causes us to do. And we become a slave to many masters because now we've got all kinds of different opinions and we become slave to them and their opinions. A fourth one as to why it's a trap is it causes us to choose the wrong kind of friends for the wrong reasons. So graduates and all of us, I ask, on what basis do you choose your friends? Because they're cool? Because they won't confront you? Because they enhance your reputation? Those you can easily please or certain ones who would admire you no matter what you do? Sometimes we pick people who will take the attention away from us because we don't want to be the ones who are picked on. There's a lot of different reasons we can choose our friends, but when we fear people and their opinions, we can easily choose the wrong friends for the wrong reason. All right, now these last three specifically apply to those of us who are followers of Christ. Another reason is it robs us of real joy and peace because when you are under constant pressure to please other people, you yourself often become critical. Did you guys know that? Think about that. You especially see this with middle school students who are really feeling the pressure of their body developing or not confident about who they are. And so who do we focus on? We focus on other people. We become critical of everybody else so the attention isn't on us. And there is not a lot of joy and peace that comes from trying to live your life to always please other people. It also silences our witness for Christ. If you ask people... 
especially teenagers, why don't you share your faith more? This is probably the number one reason. I'm afraid what other people are going to think or how they're going to treat me once they know that I'm a Christian. So we become embarrassed or I don't want to be known as the Christian person, the fanatical person who talks about Christ or becomes pushy. And so a lot of times we just keep our faith to ourselves. But the real reason is because we, we fear people, especially more than we fear God. And then this last one is really sobering. It can cause us to lose our eternal reward, to lose our eternal reward. Jesus warns us that when we do things for the purpose of being seen by other people, so this might be where we do something because we know that's what people want, Jesus said that when we do that, and that's the, my, the main reason that we do something, so it could even be a lot of the good things or things that we would say we should do as Christians. If our primary reason for doing that is because we want to fit in or we're worried about people and what they think, Jesus said we can forfeit our reward that we would have received in heaven had our motives been right. Because God cares not only about what we do, but he cares about why we do them. So there's a, a short list of why or how This idea of fearing people can become a dangerous trap. Now, the good news is that we can overcome this fear of rejection. And lots of people have, and lots of people are in the process of doing that. So graduates, as you think about being in this stage of your life and finishing high school and the goals and dreams that you have, who you want to be, how you want to follow Christ, or how God wants to use you, I just want to remind you that you got to be careful and choose your path because This one thing of fearing people, fearing rejection, can be something that's a dangerous trap for you, that you aren't able to be and do what God has called you to be because you're so afraid of what people might think. On the other hand, we can choose the safer path, the one where we trust God and we value his opinion more. So I want to talk to you about that from the book of John. So if you want to flip over to the book of John, you can. Remember how our New Testament is put together? So you got the Four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that all tell about Jesus' life and his teachings. We're going to be in the book of John, and specifically John chapter 12. And we're going to look at verses 41 to 43, but I want to talk to you about some context there. Jesus dealt with this issue quite a bit about fearing people and how it might affect following him. In uh, chapter 11, verse 53... We read that as Jesus interacted with the religious leaders of the day, from that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. See, the Jewish leaders, rather than acknowledging Jesus as the Messiah, rejected him. And they even decided, let's figure out a way to put him to death. Uh, As uh, Passover was approaching, people were wondering, is Jesus going to go into Jerusalem for the Passover because there's people that are trying to kill him? And then what we celebrate on Palm Sunday, Jesus does come and he rides in on a donkey and they acknowledge him as the king and they sing Hosanna in the highest. And so he arrives in that way. And so there's this tension between people who are rejecting Jesus and people who seemingly seem to be receiving him. But verse 37 of John chapter 12, we read, but despite all the miraculous signs Jesus had done, Most of the people still did not believe in him. And this is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. Lord, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? But the people couldn't believe. For as Isaiah also said, the Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts. So their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand. 
and they cannot turn to me and have me heal them. So you got this tension between groups of people who believe and those who don't. And graduates, we've tried to encourage you that the best thing you can do with your life is to believe in Jesus. To invite him into your life as your Savior and your Lord and to follow him. But as we do that on a day-to-day basis, there's this tension because there are people who reject Jesus along with those of us who accept him. So as Jesus is coming in, all around the word is spreading. In fact, in chapter 9, verse 22, we read that his parents said this, this was the blind uh, boy who was healed and Jesus healed him. And when the religious leaders want to know who did this, his parents were afraid and they said, we don't know, ask him. Because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. And so to be a follower of Jesus, there was a lot of reason to be afraid of the people, to be afraid of those in charge. They're feeling this tension. Am I going to fear people more than I fear God? We come to verse 41. That spoke about Isaiah referring to Jesus when he said this because he saw the future and spoke of the Messiah's glory. In verse 42, or to 43, excuse me. For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. So one side of it is I could fear people's rejection. The other side of that is I don't want the rejection, so I want their praise. And so when we read about this group of people who rejected Jesus, it's because they preferred the praise of men more than the praise of God. The praise of men more than the praise of God. And so they wouldn't admit that they wanted to follow Jesus because of their fear. And they loved their praise, the praise of humans, more than the praise of God. Now we contrast this. To what Jesus said. In verse 44, as he talks to the crowds, he says this. If you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. And so Jesus is always at the center of our relationship with God or if we're going to have a relationship with God. So you have these people who are rejecting Jesus. You have a group of people who's in the middle trying to decide. And they're having to decide, am I going to fear people? And desire their praise more than I'm going to want God's praise. And then you have Jesus. And Jesus says, if you accept me, you're accepting God the Father. And if you reject me, you're rejecting God the Father. And Jesus goes even farther when he talks about it. If we were to look over in chapter 5, verse 41, this is what Jesus said about the people's approval. He said, your approval means nothing to me because I know you don't have God's love within you. I have come to you in my father's name and you have rejected me. Yet if others come in their own name, you gladly welcome them. No wonder you can't believe for you gladly honor each other, but you don't care about the honor that comes from the one who alone is God. So if you're tracking with me, what we're seeing is the dangerous trap is When I care more about what people think than what God thinks, that can cause me to choose the wrong path, the path of evil, the path where I turn aside from God's will for my life, the path where I don't pursue what God 
has for me. So we could summarize it this way. Living for an audience of one, capital O. Living for an audience of one. Living for God crowds out all other desires for approval. How is it that we could live our life in such a way where what other people think isn't what drives me? It's when I get a clear picture of who God is and what he's done in my life. And the most important thing in my life is what he thinks. And that matters more than what people think. Another way we can think about it is this. Because it does affect us when people reject us. Graduates, we're not saying that to live for Christ is like, oh yeah, I don't care what people think. No big deal, I just do what God says. Sometimes it's extremely painful to do this. It can be painful because of your friends. It can be painful because sometimes it's family members. Sometimes it's people that you have come to love dearly. And the choice comes, am I going to obey them or am I going to obey God? So we can think of it this way. It's okay if it affects us, if we're disappointed, if we feel the hurt and the pain. But we have to be careful not to let it drive us. It can't drive our decisions, how we feel about being rejected. And it will be helpful if we just know up front that it is going to come. Look how they treated Jesus. Jesus came with a message of love and salvation. He came to give his life for other people. And some of those very people are the ones who killed him. You and I, on a regular basis, reject God and his will. Maybe you're here today and you still are rejecting this offer of salvation that Jesus brings. And Jesus said, don't be surprised then. Look how they treated me. And sometimes they're going to reject you simply because you are connected to me. So don't be surprised by it. Think about it now and choose your path. Let the desire to live for an audience of one, for God's will and for him to be pleased with you, let that crowd out all the other voices that might do that. Uh, back in the 50s and 60s, there was a coach for the University of Oklahoma and uh, his name was Bud Wilkinson. I won't ask anybody to know Bud Wilkinson or who he is. A few. Look at that. There you go. Nate in the back. But his teams did really well. And when teams do well, they want to know, like, what's your secret to success? And so after he retired, they asked him, how did you mold these young men to be so successful in football? It's very interesting. Listen to what he says. It says, when a football player goes into the game, he can play for a variety of audiences. He may play for the crowd in the stands, for example, working hard for their cheers and avoiding their boos. Or he might play for a special person in the stands, a girlfriend maybe. A player may allow the other team to dictate his play. In other words, if the man across the line isn't very good, then he doesn't play well either. If the opponent cheats and plays dirty, so does he. Some football players allow their teammates to determine the quality of their play. Some focus on the game officials or the referees. And, of course, some play merely for themselves. They work hard to be the stars. Many audiences vie for the attention of the players. My men know, however, that there's only one person watching the game that matters. Only one person whom they have to please, and that's me. Regardless of the cheers or boos, the strength of the opposition, the fairness of the officials, or the play of their teammates, I am the only audience that counts. When everyone knows that and plays that way, they pull together, do their best, give it their all, and win. 
God wants us to play for him primarily. An audience of one. All right, so let me just wrap up by giving you a summary of three steps then of how to overcome the fear of rejection. Number one is accept that you can't please all of the people even some of the time. Do you guys hear that? You can't please all of the people even some of the time. So just know there are going to be times when people aren't happy with you. You can't please all of the people even some of the time, so don't try to do that. But try to please God all of the time. Secondly is to refocus then on God. Focus on pleasing him. Paul said in Corinthians that my aim is always to please God. Always to please God. So make that our highest goal is to please God. And then this last one, most of you have grown up church. You've heard about God's love. You know that Jesus loves you. He gave his life for you. But we don't always experience in our day-to-day life. But I want to encourage you to grow in this confidence of God's love for you. Grow in the confidence of God's love. First John 4.18 says this. Such love, the love that God has for us, has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it is the fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced God's perfect love love yet if you're afraid of a god who punishes then you've not truly come to a saving faith in christ yet the whole point of jesus taking all of the punishment is so that we didn't have to so when we put our faith in christ and he comes into our life we don't fear god's punishment anymore we have a god who loves us he knows every single thing about us and he loves us in spite of that and so when we know that all the punishment has been taken by Christ. Now we see God as a heavenly father that loves us. And we can come right into his presence. And we can talk to him about anything and everything. And we can be confident of his reward for us, which will ultimately be salvation. But there is a sense, too, in which we will be rewarded for our faithful living. And so rather than fearing people, we come to fear God, as we're going to talk about next week in the book of Proverbs, as the fear of the Lord is the foundation of knowledge. But we fear him not in a, God could punish me, now I've got I to do this. It's a healthy respect, because this is God who loved me and gave Jesus for me. So my strongest desire now is to live for God and to please him. We see that same thing in Ephesians chapter 3. Do we have that verse? There it is. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently, fearlessly into God's presence. Even when we sin and when we fail. And so graduates, I hope that you see North Park as a place that loves you and wants to be a part of God's love to you. And so it may be that in the next couple of weeks or months or even years, you make some bad choices and you choose the wrong path. Just know that you don't have to stay there permanently. And when you come back to God or you come back to us and you share with us where you've been or what you're struggling with, please know that we're not looking to punish you. We're not going to reject you. We love you and we want to do everything we can to help you get back on the right path. So there can be this fear of rejection. Again, we look at Proverbs chapter 4. It says, mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on the safe path. So you're going to have to be intentional about this. It's something that we must choose 
one time in an overall direction, but every day we have to choose to choose the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. And I just tell you that one of those paths that can be a dangerous trap is this fear of rejection, the fear of people. But the safe path is to trust God. Trust him that he is the best judge of your heart and your life. And even if it's difficult, even if things don't work out the way you had planned, if you're being faithful to God and you're on that right path, then the reward will be worth it. You'll have a God who not only has saved you, but one day you stand before Jesus. Not based on your successes uh, from everybody else's perspective or how much money you've gotten or all of these accolades that maybe you've gotten, but have you been faithful to Jesus? And you can hear him say, well done, you've been a good and faithful servant. Come on into my kingdom. So we think about that. We think about graduates, where you are in this journey. Before we give you some gifts, let's just watch this video to think about that journey from childhood to graduation.